Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And good evening and happy new year, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of We Got Next. I'm Ricky Hampton, along with the big fella, former Milwaukee Bucks center, Paul Mokeski, sporting his Green Bay Packer. Uh, uh, We're alive. We're Cat. alive. We're I'm alive. representing our NFC North champion, Detroit Lions Cap. First time in 30 years since Barry Sanders and Herman Moore and Ronnie Pete. That's how long ago that has been here. Uh, no, we got a great show in store tonight. We want to get on a little early tonight so everybody can sit back and enjoy the uh, national championship uh, football game. Ought to be a good game, but we'll talk about that some uh, tonight. What's but, that? Uh... Alabama versus USC, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but Mo, as I mean, you're the perfect person to have this discussion with. One of college basketball's legendary coaches, 29 years at Michigan State, Tom Izzo. He, the thing about Coach Izzo, he calls it like he sees it. If his team plays bad, he doesn't make excuses. He's going to let them know and tell you that he played bad. And they played bad the other day. They went into Northwestern and got their butts kicked, 88-74. Now, Northwestern is a much improved basketball program over the years, but I Izzo was obviously disappointed that that occurred. And uh, let's listen to some of his post-game comments. In college now, they want analytics. Analytics, what does analytics mean here? Huh? Does it mean we won the game? Analytics are crap. <laughs> the stats, you know, all you analytical guys, you know, I hate analytics because they're phony. Sooner or later, you look in a guy's heart, you look in a guy's eye, and then you find out about a guy. Everybody in the NBA and in college now, they want analytics. Analytics. What does analytics mean here? Huh? Does it mean we won the game? Analytics are crap. <laughs> the stats, you know, all you analytical guys, you know, I hate analytics because they're phony. Sooner or later, you look in a guy's heart, you look in a guy's eye, and then you find out about a guy. Everybody in the NBA and, and college now, they want analytics. Analytics, what does analytics mean here? Huh? Does it mean we won the game? Analytics are <laughs> <laughs> and and let me go because he went on a little further to say uh, <clears throat> I'm embarrassed. They kicked our butt in every physical way they could. We deserve to get our ass kicked, and that's what we did. Uh, I that's Tom Izzo. That's the essence of Tom Izzo. He doesn't. He's going to just call it out when he sees. But what's your thoughts on his uh, take on analytics? And we know he's pissed off because they just got their bus kicked. Yeah, that's why it's hard. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen that situation before. And when I was in Charlotte, uh, uh, assistant coach with uh, Sam Vincent, I always tried to hold him in the office an extra few minutes before he went out to talk to the to the press after a, especially after a loss you know because you know you don't want to say stuff uh emotionally you want to gather yourself it's very difficult i mean we know i mean you know after a team loses the super bowl you barge into the losing team's locker room and put a mic in their hand in their face and say how do you feel now what is this you know i, I feel like crap that's how i feel like we lost yeah. the game but you know but uh, you know, uh, Coach Izzo's, you know, been an old school guy for a long time. Um, he also went along to say what we've talked about before on this, this, uh, our show is uh, nothing falls on the players. That's what he said. And he said, I'm not being sarcastic, but he was being sarcastic because we all know the difference now. I've talked about it for years, how uh, coaching at some point years ago became criticism. So players don't say, you know, hey, uh, 
you know, he coached me hard and I got to adapt to it. They say, you know, he's got criticism and I got to adapt to the, to the uh, you know, corrective criticism. That's not true. Criticism is me telling Ricky, you can't shoot and you're never going to shoot. Coaching is, hey, Ricky, you can't shoot right now. We need to work on that uh, before you start taking threes. There's a difference, right? Uh, but as far as the analytical stuff, and, you know, I, I worked for one of the biggest teams ever in the NBA to use it. They started using it years ago. Uh, I worked for the RGV Vipers, which was the uh, minor, which was the uh, developmental league team for the Houston Rockets with Daryl Morey. And they were one of the most uh, analytical minded teams back then. Now, like he said, everybody has analytic people. Uh, you know, but there's a uh, misnomer about analytics. Number one, I mean, Coach Izzo's a great coach. And here, I, you know, I'm not here to criticize him. But when he holds up a stat sheet and says analytics are crap and analytics don't count, that's a false statement. He's not talking about analytics. He's talking about stats. Stats. His stats from the game. You know, and then he went to go, yeah. you know, we uh, rebounded them, uh, you know, we had more turnovers than them, you know, but that's stats of a game. Analytics goes way deeper than that. And, uh, you know, it, and analytics, I'm an old school guy. I use analytics. It's not an end all be all. It's a tool. It's one of the tools you use to help coach a team to win. So you have, you have analytics that's very number oriented. And we've talked about this for a long time. You know, if you're talking about analytics rating shots in basketball, which drives some people crazy uh, because they think you pass up any shot for a three, according to analytics, that's not true. Analytics, the five rating shots in analytics are number one is not a three, it's a layup. Number one shot you can get in analytics of basketball is a layup. Number two is getting to the basket and getting to the free throw line, not a three point. Now, the third third ranking of a shot is a corner three in the NBA because it's shorter. It's almost two feet shorter than the top of the arc, a three in the NBA. Uh, number four is any other three. And number five is, is out of paint twos. That means, you know, not shots in the, in the lane. You can get to the basket. It's out of paint, 15, 16, 17 footers. That only count as two points. When if you back up to a three, you get an extra point for making it. And the reason behind that is if you shoot 33% from the three, that's like shooting 50% from the two. And very few people in any level shoot 50% from the two, mostly center. So that's what that's all about. So, uh, you know, I think he's really mad and, you know, he's, he's upset about, uh, you know, numbers and what he calls analytics, but analytics <coughs> goes deeper than that. You know, the analytics goes Pace of play, that's another tool you can use. Do you want to be a fast-paced team? Do you want to be a slower-paced team? And that, you use analytics to decide, then you've got to uh, adapt to what kind of team do you have. Do you have a bunch of athletes that can run the floor and make the decisions? You want to pick up the pace. You have guys that can execute plays and aren't as fast. You want to slow the pace down. That's an analytic. Points per possession. So that's... That's how you dictate, you know, if you're really playing well or not. You can score 100 points in a college game, uh, and but it takes you 150 shots to do that. That's not good. You know, so that's what your analytics tells you. Another, uh, analytic, another analytic that I like is turnover percentage. That means turnovers uh, that you have without creating an opportunity for a shot. We're talking about possessions, right? And you combine that with offensive rebounding. Offensive rebound gets you another possession, which gives you another chance to score. So that's all analytics. That's all involved in analytics. However, analytics is a tool you can use as a coach, general manager, and owner of a team. You also have to use your other tools that you have. Uh, 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 your team players, their heart, their toughness, uh, also their basketball IQ. Um, you know, their health, uh, players' health and yeah. mental health, physical and mental health. And, uh, and, and, no, I, go ahead, Mo. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Uh, uh, Five-man rotations. What's the five best players on the team <clears throat> you have that 
uh, you know, is more uh, efficient, you know, score more than they give up. Uh, then you have another five that you're all hands team. When you're up by a game, <clears throat> when you're up in a game and you just want to run the clock out, you need guys that are good at handling the ball, don't turn the ball over, can make free throws, right? Uh, you want your all five best guys that can press the most, most athletic and full court press. You know, you're, in, you're down by 15. You got to make things happen. Uh, you know, that's all it, uh, uh, in a game, substitution. That goes by feel of a coach. You know, and it goes deeper than just taking one player out for another player. Like, I, I never like to take a player out when they made a mistake. I would purposely make for, wait for another play where something else happened because I don't want that player coming to the bench, sitting out, going, I'm, I got subbed because I made a bad play. And now, now I'm afraid to make that plays because I want to play. So all that is combined with analytics and coaching. So I, I feel for Coach Izzo. I love Coach Izzo. Uh, you know, I love his old school attitude. But blaming analytics and calling analytics phony and crap is not true. It's how you use it. it yeah, and, and, and Mo, he <laughs> – you look at his – his final four teams, his championship team, were built with guys like Latine Cleves, who just grinded. Uh, Draymond Green, another grinder. You know, nothing fancy about their games whatsoever. They just competed and defended. You know, Zach Randolph, who couldn't jump three inches, but, you know, understood how to get bucket. Yes. Yes, if I have that team, my analytics tell me I want to slow the game down. I want to execute in half court. I'm a bit more physical. I can execute. We're smarter than them. I don't want to run up and down the floor with a different team. So that's how analytics. And that's what they did, too. <laughs> I don't know if you call it analytics, but that's what they did. Yeah, it wasn't called analytics. It was called basketball logic or basketball 101. <laughs> you know, like when I played, you know, Celtics. Pistons, guys like that, Milwaukee Bucks, like I was on, you know, we had a knack for finding mismatches. You know, if, if Ricky, if you're guarding me, I don't need a play. I'm going to go to the post and then City Mockers is going to say, okay, uh, uh, Mo's got uh, Ricky in the post. I'm going to give it to him. You know, yeah. and th yeah. that was, that's, that was just called playing. Now that's an analytical part of it now. But, you know. Hey, <clears throat> Mo, here's what he said. Uh, he said, the reporter asked, well, how do you explain today's poor performance? Uh, bad coaching. I do. I did a bad coaching job because, remember, you're not allowed to blame the player, so it's bad coaching. And I'm not being sarcastic. My guys didn't play. You know, I might get the football pass out again for rebounding, as I say all the time, and then I'll probably get sued. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because well, number one, number one, come on, coach, don't say something sarcastically and tell you I'm not being sarcastic. Of course you are. Everybody knows that, and that's okay. But I remember those days where you know he put the basketball players in football pads and let him go at it. I yeah. mean, we, you know, and and he's right. Today you can't do that at any level. Uh, yeah. In the NBA, they would revolt against you. In college. You're right. Players would call their parents and or attorneys and NIL people and they would sue the school and sue you because you can't put, you know, but that's the difference in today's basketball. I mean, we used to have a drill when I was in high school, uh, college, and uh, actually my early years in the NBA, some of the coaches using it, we called it war. You, me, and, and, and two other players, three guys at a time, Underneath the basket, one basketball, whoever puts the ball in the hole three times, you get out and the next guy comes in. No fouls, no rules, no dribbling, no traveling. You just, I need to get the ball in the hole three in times and I get to get the rest. And then the next guy comes in. That's, that. we used yeah. to do that all the time. You can't do yeah. that now. <laughs> you know, and he, he sounds like, a, I mean, he's he's been in the, and he's been coaching 29 years, 68 years old. So the game he grew up with does no longer exist. It's not. And I, I just turned 67. I coached for 23 yeah. years at, at every level, and the game changed. 
the, 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 the game changed on the court, talking about less half court, less execution of plays, more actions early on, more flow, more spread the floor. It's a, an NBA now, and even college, is a Euro NBA level game. It's combined, uh, you know, spacing, drawing kick, angles. Uh, that's what it's all about. Uh, and it's what changed on the court and off the court. It changed that, you know, you can't jump on players anymore. You, you just can't. And, you know, I learned from some of the best. Don Nelson it was, was one of the best. And, you know, he told me when I started to coach, he said, one of the most important things you're going to find out, Mo, is you need to find out on your team who you can uh, kick in the butt and who you have to pat on the butt to get them to play the way you want them to. Because just like sons and, and, and players, you know, some guys you can scream at, yell at, you know, just get in their face and they're going to step up and perform better. They're going to take that challenge. Some guys, they're going to feel uh, attacked and they're going to back up and then they're just going to make more mistakes and they're not going to be able to play. Mm -hmm. You need to find out who those people are and then push their buttons that way. And, you know, it used to be, used to find out one of the toughest guys on the team mentally, and that's who the coach always got on. Damn it, Ricky, you got to block out. Damn it, Ricky, you got to run the floor. Damn it, Rick. And, mm -hmm. you know, all the players were, you know, they were taking that in. They were hearing run the floor. They're hearing block out, but they weren't getting attacked, but you were. But at the same time, coach knew you can you handle it. And you were probably smart enough. He might have even told you, hey, this is what's going to happen. When we're not playing hard, when we're not blocking out, when we're not doing, I'm going to be yelling at you specifically, but it's not at you, it's at the team. And you can mm -hmm. take it. But you mm -hmm. can't even do that. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey, hey, Mo, uh, our, our great friend Steve checked in, and he had a great question. Uh, uh, since we were on last, we, we forgot to talk about the passing of former Milwaukee Bucks owner, uh, Herb Cole, Senator Cole. Uh, did, <clears throat> talk about him and did you know him well during your days in, in Milwaukee, uh, that relationship with the Senator? Well, uh, 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 Mr. Cole bought the team about, uh, about half, I was there for seven or eight years, but halfway through he bought the team um, uh, from another gentleman that had owned it for a long time. And he bought the Milwaukee Bucks for $21 million. <laughs> they're, 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 they're worth $4 billion now, just to know that. But uh, Senator Cole was not only a senator, but his family, the Cole family, were very rich uh, people in Milwaukee that had Cole's supermarkets. That's like... Uh, you know, I don't know what's in Michigan, but you know, the general like Meyer, Kroger, yeah, Piggly Wiggly, uh, yeah, yeah. Ralph's in California. So they owned those, that's how they got their money. And, and uh, uh, he was a senator and he bought the team to help keep it in Milwaukee, actually, because there were talks of it getting moved out of Milwaukee, a small market, and moving somewhere else. I don't know where the specifics at that point. I was just a player, I didn't care, I just wanted to play and stay on the team but there were talks of because we played in the old mecca and that was a kind of an old broken down smaller arena we got you know and uh, actually his family was integral in raising the money to build the, the bradley center which now is the pfizer center uh, but but you know so they were thinking about well let's just move milwaukee move the bucks somewhere maybe cincinnati who knows what but he's the one that bought it and kept it there he was a senator and uh, he was a smaller gentleman, really quiet. And uh, he would come on the team playing sometimes. And he just wore unassuming clothes, had this little beat up leather carry on uh, bag, you know? And, uh, you know, and he would, and we would, we would kid around saying, you know, I bet he's got about $5 million in that little bag. Right <laughs> but he was just, uh, a great gentleman and uh, want, wanted to really keep the Bucks in that market and make them 
uh, you know, more successful and so he can stay there. He also wanted to bring a hockey uh, major NHL team there. The Bradley Center that I broke in one of my last years in Milwaukee that moved us from the Mecca, the old Mecca, to the Bradley Center was really built for hockey. Uh, you know, it had really place for the uh, hockey boards and, and all that stuff. And we really knew that because one of the first practices we practiced in there, uh, Ricky Pierce and I, we went to the baseline where we get a lot of shots up and we look up and the, and the light would shine right in our eyes. Can't see the, the rim. So we actually had them adjust that lighting, but the lighting was there because it was going to shine on a hockey goal. That's yeah. why the light was angled like is that. It, but, is it I think it's still a triple A hockey team there, right? Yeah, I think they high level. Yeah, uh, the the uh, uh, Marquette played in the Mecca for a while, uh, and then they moved into the Pfizer Center now. Uh, but there was high school tournaments there. I mean, Lou Alcindor uh, slash Kareem played in there. Uh, Oscar Robertson played. They won their championship in the Mecca. But uh, Senator Cole was just. Uh, you know, a, a, a quiet, down-to-earth, straight-shooting politician <laughs> that, that did things for the right reasons. Maybe some of these politicians today need to kind of think about what Senator Cole was like. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, Mom, let's get to some, uh, to some uh, football before we talk a little uh, NBA. And... Uh, <clears throat> We, we got the tournament set in the National Football League. Wild Card Weekend is coming up uh, this weekend. As you look back on the season, uh, wh what are your thoughts? Are your, your surprises and disappointments? Well, it's just <clears throat> when you think of months ago, right? Buffalo was unbeatable. The Packers are done. The Lions were a fluke. Uh, 49ers were, continued to be, but they were struggling. You know, they have a no-name, undrafted quarterback. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs were the team to beat, one of the teams to beat. Uh, the Miami Dolphins could score, but they couldn't stop anybody. And a lot of that narrative has switched around. And, uh, you know, Tom Brady was going to bring glory to, to Philly, Philly, and he played 10, 10 downs. Uh, before he was out, so to, uh, to New York, to New York, yeah. I mean, to New York, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we know that injuries play major parts in sports. Uh, basketball, baseball, somewhat. Basketball, a lot, and football more than any, because at any time, one of your major players could go down and have a season-ending injury. I mean, uh, one of the Miami Dolphins just uh, tore his ACL last week. You know, and he and he's done, and and then some of these teams are getting players back that are getting healthy and rested, and uh, it's going to be interesting because uh, you know the Packers looked really good this weekend, uh, uh, and and won a game that was meaningless to most everybody else except the uh, interim coach there that is trying to keep his job, uh, which is the coaching business and. As he sprinted off the field, the fans were chanting his name. So maybe he keeps his job, you know. But, um, you know, I think it's more up in the air than a, pe a lot of people thought, right? Uh, the Super Bowl. I mean, is, is there a clear cut? I mean, I, the Ravens and, and Niners maybe, I guess. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think you have to consider the Ravens and Niners uh, uh, the favorites, Paul, but, you know, as great as Lamar has been, he really hasn't had a lot of success in the playoffs. Uh, but this is definitely the best team he's he's had gone into the playoffs with. And the 49ers, you know, I, I still have questions about Purdy, although he's done it really for two and a half, a, a, you know, a year and a half now. And, uh, what what happens, man? You get in there, you turn that ball over, or you lose a guy that goes down. Any, anything uh, uh, can happen, and I still think about Patrick Mahomes and what he's capable of doing uh, in, yeah. in a playoff situation. Yeah. Problem with that, Ricky, and they're my yeah. team. You know that their receivers are terrible. I mean, they can't catch the ball. 
Yeah. And so you, now you can't now throw it and run out there and then catch it, huh? Yeah. You, 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 so now you can double team uh, 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 Kelsey, you know, so he can't get open. And you know, I, I'm still like, you know, when I when I watch uh, the HBO special with the Miami Dolphins, and I watch, I'm like Tyreek Hill should be on the uh, on the Chiefs. That would change everything. If Tyreek Hill was on the Chiefs, they'd be probably be uh, uh, up for the Super Bowl yeah. for sure. Probably a favorite to yeah. win it all. But they yeah. and they keep the one receiver that lined up offside to cost them a game, and then he drops yeah. the ball too. I mean, come well, on, man. Well, the thing is, with the salary cap, you you got to make these financial decisions, and one of them would have been. I know if I'd have been there, I'd have found a way to keep. Tariq Hill, because that's my 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 best weapon is Patrick Mahomes, and his favorite guy is Tariq Hill. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, so you have how you, you break have, that up? Yeah, you have Kelsey and, uh, and Hill. Hill. Yeah, yeah, Kelsey Hill, Kelsey Hill. Now you take one away. It's yeah. like cutting off your right hand. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I would have found some way. I mean. You know, I don't know. I mean, you know, offensive line is so important. You got to put defensive line, you got to put a rush on, DBs, all that. But I'm telling you, you can find uh, some offensive linemen. You can find some DBs. You can find some of those guys. You can't find any more Tyreek Hills. Hey, hey Mo, I got a question for you from a coaching uh, perspective. You know, Bill Belichick, 24 years in, um, in New England six Super Bowls, you can make the argument he's the greatest um, professional football coach ever. He's definitely in the conversation. But clearly, uh, you know, the magic is not there right now. May not, he may not ever get it back. And he's 71 years old. Do, do, the, do the Patriots owe him a send-off of any kind? Well, I, you know, I would like, I don't like that Sidney Moncrief played for the Atlanta Hawks at the end of his career. I don't like that Dominique Wilkins played somewhere. I don't like that Patrick Ewing played for Seattle. I, I just, you know, that doesn't sit well with me. You know, I, I just, you know, and I don't like that, you know, a great coach like that, if he wants to coach, is going to have to go somewhere else. Now, I would... I, I would talk to him about, you know, being in the front. Okay, coach, let's be in the front office and you can be a big piece of turning this around again. But, you know. Uh, that is one of the conversations that. But let's face it, in, in sports, they don't owe you anything. As a player, as a coach, as a general, they don't owe you anything, man. The team is the team. And, uh, you know, if you're, uh, if you're depending on them to, uh, you know, owe you something, that's not going to happen. Should it be? Yeah. But if, the, you know, and let's face it, he's like, you know, running on the time, you know, football's changed too, right? You know, it used to be get a running attack and then you can pass every once in a while. Now it's the opposite way, you know? So it's, it's totally different. And, uh, you know, at some point you got to realize it's time to, you know, step away and, that's why a lot of coaches, you look at Phil Jackson or guys like that that stepped away when they were top of their game and because they don't want to, you know, be remembered for those tough years, you know. So, uh, you know, coaching is a tough profession, you know. The, the word in coaching is you're hired to be fired. So when you sign your contract and you're really happy and your family's happy, just know you're probably 80% of the time you're going to get fired again. So, Yeah, right. yeah uh, Steve just talked about uh... – I'm looking for that report that he's staying with the Patriots, that he's going to lose his general manager status. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of change there. Well, he's not going to coach, though, right? He's not coaching, right? I, I'm looking now. There's talk of him moving into the front office, like you mentioned. But I don't think they're just going to fire him. No, but, but I, thought, I thought they said he's not going to coach next year. I'm, I'm looking for a report now. Yeah, I thought, so if you're not going to coach, how do you stay on? General, assistant general manager, general manager, vice president of whatever you want to call it, who cares, you know? Um, but if you're not going to coach, 
I mean, I guess, you know, if they take the general manager position away and bring somebody in, that's probably the next bet greatest thing, you know, since sliced bread. And you hope they make the right moves and give them the talent that he had. I mean, look at it. I mean, look at the talent he had when he was winning those championships along with Brady. You had, you know, Gronk and all those guys, you know, that, you know, followed them, them around. This is what he, this is what uh, he said. I'm for whatever collective, collectively we decide as an organization is the best thing to help our football team, Belichick said. I'm under contract. I'm going to do what I always do, which is come in every day and work as hard as I can to help the team compete in whatever way I can. So that's what I'm going to send you to do. So y'all going to have to fire him. <laughs> well, first of all, yeah, if you're, if you're a coach under contract, at no ever way will you quit because then you don't get paid. So, yeah. you know, they're going to have to fire you or buy you out. Um, you know, but that's all coach speak. That's sports speak, right? I'm going to come in the office. And, but, yeah. you know, when, when, when there is a, pri a, 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 a private uh, special meeting called before the last game of the season, guess what? Things are happening. I've been there before. It's not just to say, hey, great job. <laughs> you know, that you means know. things are going to change. And who knows what that change is? I mean, you know, do they bring in? I, I don't know. You know, does he call the plays? Does he have an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator? Will they change those? That's what really usually happens. If you want to keep the head coach, then you fire the assistants and you bring some other people in. Adam checks in and he, and he makes a good point, Mo. Belichick hasn't really produced the best assistant coaches yeah, either. You're, you're right, Adam. I mean, the, I can't remember the dude's name, uh, but he came from that background, Adam. And he came here to Las Vegas with the Raiders, and he was horrible. They, they ended up firing. Uh, uh, yeah, he just got fired. He got uh, uh, well. I, he he was just fired. I'll think of his name in a minute. Here in Detroit, Matt Patricia was an utter disaster, and yeah. and the Eagles gave Patricia there uh, promoted him to defensive coordinator about five weeks ago, and they hadn't won a game yet. Yeah, I mean, sometimes like John Daniels. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But when, like, when you're in a system, right? They have a system, you know, and then you have the talent in the system to win all the time, and, and uh, you know, your assistant coaches are used to that system, and now you know you go to some other team and you're the head coach and you're pushing the buttons and you're calling the timeout and you're making decisions along the system that you learned somewhere else that doesn't work where you're at. You don't have the talent. You don't have the same talent. You know, just like I said about basketball, you got to decide, are you an up-paced team or a half-court team? And then you got to stick with it. And you try to make the other teams adjust to what you do. As same, and, and, you know, you can't make a system work if you don't have, you know, you can't, like, when I was in RGV, we, we were, we scored 130 points a game, 138 at one point. And, you know, we shot 53s a game. This was 15, 20 years ago. But we we got players that can make three-pointers. So you can't be an up-tempo shooting three-team unless you got guys that can push the ball and can make threes. <laughs> right. So, so you need to know what you have. And, and Mo, this, this same conversation can take place in the National Basketball Association where you play, coach, and scout. And, you know, everybody has said you were – smart enough to be a head coach and a, a, a leader I had the leadership part to be a head coach. But your problem is you're too tall because <laughs> seven footers don't get jobs coaching in the, in the just, NBA. But it had it had to frustrate you to see some of these guys come off staffs of oh they won a championship. And you know this dude before he his first game doesn't stand a chance. And there's also experience, like, look at Darvin Ham and with the Lakers, right? Everybody loved him. Everybody wanted him. All the players wanted him. But he, and, and I, I coached against Darvin Ham in the D League. I know him. Uh, you know, great guy, great assistant coach, but he's never been head coach before. 
totally different animal moving over that one seat. Same with, uh, with uh, Adrian Griffin in Milwaukee. A great assistant coach, but, you know, moving over that one seat is a big step. And, you know, you know sometimes, uh, you know, it, it doesn't work. And, you know, I'm, I'm serious. What are you talking about about me? I didn't pass the, uh, the, phys- the uh, eye test, right? I didn't, like a, I didn't look like some uh, smart guy, short guy with glasses. I didn't look like a point guard, you know, Avery Johnson or Doc Rivers or, right. or whoever, you know? Right, right. So and now you don't you look know, like anybody because you disappeared. Oh, here you are. <laughs> so, you know, that is true. I mean, your resume has little to do with you getting a job usually. It's, it's your it's. Yeah. You know who you know and who can hire you and you know that that's how it works and uh you know i mean I, we tell us all the time you know how many how many six ten and taller head coaches have there ever been in the nba I mean, kevin mattel bill cartwright bill russell um that's about it wow right um, phil jackson six seven Right. Uh, Rudy Tomjanovich, 6'6", you know, but look at all the point guards. I mean, yeah. you know, from, from Scotty Skiles to, you know, Lenny Rivers to Steve Kerr to, you, know, you can name all of those guys, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, Adam, I, I don't think that's fair, Adam. It wasn't all Brady. Clearly Brady was the catalyst. Yeah, he had a, I mean, he was one of the best all-time quarterbacks ever, but he had to have an offensive line. He had to have receivers to catch ball. He had to have a tight end. They had to have some kind of defense. So, you know, it wasn't all Brady. And you had to have a coach who, you know what? We're going to go with this six-round draft pick uh, out of Michigan that nobody thinks can do anything. So, <laughs> well, And that goes, that goes with your gut feeling, right? Like we talked about analytics and other stuff that go into head coaching or GMing or ownership, hiring a coach, all that. Like, like if I'm, if I'm, uh, 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 whoever, New England or the Raiders or whatever, and I'm hiring a coach, right? I'm going to go through the analytics. I'm going to see what their win and loss record is. If they're an offensive minded, how much they score defensive minded, how much they do, you know, what's their persona and everything. But then I need to meet you. I need to sit down and talk to you and get a heart to heart. And I need to get a feeling about you that I'm going to trust you with my team. So it, all of those have to combine. Yeah. Hey, uh, Adam, Bill Lambert was an excellent WNBA coach. Anyone? Yeah. Yeah. Anyone? Was, he, was he ever an NBA head coach? No. 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 And, and, he, no. and, and Bill was smart enough to do that. He was just never going to get that. And he lobbied hard for jobs. Yeah, uh, he wanted the Pistons job. He wanted yeah. the Timberwolves job. And was he capable? Probably. But guess what? He was smart enough to know after head, banging your head against the wall for years, they're not going to hire me as a head coach. Jack Sigma wasn't hired as a head coach. Patrick Ewing wasn't hired as a pat, head coach until he went to uh, Georgetown. So after a while, he said, okay, that's enough. Let me try the WNBA, which, by the way, is an awesome gig. It's three months. You get paid three or four hundred grand, and uh, you know it's a short season during the summer. Yeah, yeah. Steve reminds us ABA Wilt was a head coach. Yeah, uh, that doesn't count, Steve. Yeah, that don't really. That's not the NBA. Your old teammate Brian Winters makes twenty five million a season. I should tell him. That's from uh, Steve. Well, I just I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't think he made twenty five million. I, I just, I just, hey, Steve, I just ran into Brian, Brian at uh, the um, USC uh, basketball game here. I ran into him. He was scouting. He's scouting for somebody. Hey, 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 Paul, what would his value be in today's three point shooting NBA? Not only that, but he could score. He was a scorer. I mean, you know, 50, 60 points in a game, forty. I mean, I. You know, but he was, uh, you know, I tell the story when I was with the Bucks, you know, early and we had, you know, Marcus Johnson, Brian Winters, Junior Bridgman, Sidney Moncrief, Bob Lanier, all these guys were a really good team. And I remember we played Denver in Denver and they were high octane and, you know, guys, they lit guys like that. I'm going to score 50 tonight, but he, Brian had a terrible game. 
And I think he was 0 for 21. 0 for 21. Wow. <laughs> and then uh, we went the next day, we fly to LA and we play the Lakers. And he's like 20 for 26. Wow. <laughs> he scores 47, I think. Uh, and uh, I'm sitting next to his locker and a reporter comes in and says, Brian, you were 0 for 21 last night. How could you come the next day against the Lakers and start shooting? He goes, he, he goes, what were you thinking? Brian goes, I was thinking I'm going to make the next 21. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I love that. I'm a, I'm a shooter. That's what I do. I you know? co covering uh, Riff Hamilton uh, uh, with the Pistons doing their run. He said something similar along those lines. He had had a bad shooting night, a couple of bad games in a row. Came back, had a hot night shooting the ball, didn't miss anything. And the guy said, well, what do you think about coming out of your slump? He's like, what slump? <laughs> exactly. I like, I, I just, here's what they'll tell you, right? Shooters shoot when they're hot, and they shoot to get hot. Shooters <laughs> shoot when they're hot, and they shoot to get hot. That's what you – like, if I went – if I played when I played with, with my role that I accepted, and I went 0 for 4 – I wouldn't even shoot maybe one shot the next time or two, you know, because that's not my that's, that's not, not, my thing. Right, that's not right. my role. But if you're a shooter, you know, I and as a coach, you know, I, I'm gonna the next game Brian goes over over twenty one. The next game I want him to shoot another twenty one because right. I know he's gonna make ten to fifteen of them. Yeah, yeah. S Steve says he's averaged twenty five today, Pro probably with the. Uh, yeah, he's a, he would be along the lines of uh, Ray Allen, um, you know, guys like that, you know. Uh, but Brian was pretty big, too. He, he was uh, a little uh, – he was more physical than people think. He was, he reminded me – he was the Kiki Vandaway before Kiki Vandaway. Really sneaky quick, really can shoot, you know. But Brian was a better shooter. Man, it was so many players from that era – I hadn't, I, you know, I hadn't heard the name Kiki Vandaway in a while. I mean, he was a hell of a player, man. Kiki Vandaway was uh, Carmelo before Carmelo. Carmelo. Yeah. Anthony. He was that guy. That's what he was. Mid-range guy, pull up, you know, first step. That's what he was, you know. Adam, uh, Pistons really blew a gasket this year. Sucks because I love Marty Williams. I, you know, I like Marty too, but... He's got to take the blame for it. You lose 28 straight games. Monty got to take some of that, too. And now Kay Cunningham uh, got hurt last night. They were actually beginning to play a little better and competing. They were competing with Denver. They were down about seven. Who went out? And that was – they lost about 20, probably. Uh, here in Detroit, we say the Pistons have become the old Lions. So, Well, and – you know, I think the record for least wins in a season is held by Philly at nine, right? Yeah, yeah. So I would think the Pistons might be right there. Uh, and it's unfortunate because I like Monty Williams too. And guess what, Adam? You know this too. Uh, if they fire any coaches, it's going to be their assistants, <laughs> even though it's not their goal. And, you know, let's face it. The Pistons are not a good team. They're young. They have some talent. But they're not a good team. They can't compete with half the teams in the league. But like you said, Ricky, he they they need to be better than that. They they need to not lose eight. I mean, come on, you can you can win one out of every eight games, maybe, or something, you know? Yeah. Hey, hey Mo, let's let's get into the season a little bit. You know, Draymond Green is coming back. And he's <laughs> he's coming back to your team. We've been struggling. You I think you're like the eleventh seed right now. Uh, Golden State, you know how to win championships with 17 and 19. What's the conversation you have with your good buddy Steve Kerr could have with Draymond when he comes back? Well, first of all, uh, it's so interesting to me that, and we've talked about this right before, you can't fix a problem that you have if you don't admit it's a problem, right? So when Draymond got suspended again, uh, and, and punched the guy in the face again and uh, was suspended indefinitely, which I think was a cowardly way for the NBA to go and Adam Silver. I'm sorry, Adam, but, you know, if you're going to suspend them in, and then let them off after 18 games, suspend them for 18 games then. 
don't think like indefinitely. But uh, you know, he never did admit he was wrong, right? Well, he was grabbing my jersey, and I flew. no, you, you you punched him like you punch pool, and uh, you never admitted you were wrong. So how are you going to fix your problem if you don't admit you're wrong? And now they lift the suspension, so Draymond will come back. He probably won't play for another week or two. He'll be around the team, but um, now you say that Adam Silver talked you out of retiring. That the league and Adam Silver needs you so much. They need you so much, Draymond, that please don't retire. Oh, please, please don't retire. Come on, man. I mean, that that's that's not the right way to come back. And uh, uh, he, he he when he was playing this year before he got suspended for the second time, uh, you know, the Warriors were still bad. Yeah, they were, they were, because it's not it's not Draymond. It's not Curry. It's not Looney. It's Wiggins. It's uh, Kaminga. Uh, it's it's those guys. It's not. It's Clay. You know, who I guess Steve had a heart to heart with, and you know, bring your and which is the right thing to do. Listen, you're a great player. You can make shots. You need to relax and have some fun because you look like every game. You look like you're in prison. You look like you're playing a game you hate. Do you hate basketball? Well, you look like you do. So why don't you play it like you loved it, like you did before? And guess what? If you do that, things will come around. But I don't have any faith in the Warriors. I just, I told you before the season, they needed to get a big body. and make Yeah, they're too so small. They're yeah. too small. Look at their rebounding. It's terrible. And unless you got Clay, Curry, and one other guy on fire, you're not going to win games. And guess what? To have three guys on fire all the time is hard to do. And just look at their record. That proves that. Yeah, and Chris Paul is hurt. He's going to be down a couple of weeks. But he, yeah, he broke his hand. Yeah. I mean, you know. Hey, what do you, what do you think about Adam's comment? Dre doesn't respect the rules of respectful competition. And you played at a time where it was a physical league. Well, guys yeah, yeah. got after each other. Uh, Adam, I don't. I agree with half yours. I think he I think he respects the competition. He's one of the most competitive guys. But I agree. I don't think he respects the rules because he breaks them all the time. And guess what? He's been allowed to break them all the time. Ever since he was in Michigan State, he was the physical guy, kind of uh, outside the box. He's like a Dennis Rodman, but a little more polished and not as crazy. But he's been allowed to get away with this for years and years. So uh, as a player, especially with your, your skills diminishing, you're going to get away with, try to get away with what you can get away with. And that's what he's doing. But And, and um, it's so funny you mentioned that, Paul, because that goes back to our original conversation about Izzo. Those are the kind of players that Izzo wants that's going to fight you, play physical, and be smart and get after you. And, and he was able to do all those things at State. And now, and uh, yeah, uh, Adam thinks he's lost his legs. Well, I, I think he's definitely diminished yeah. in terms of his abilities. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It's the wear and tear of, of the way he's had to play takes a toll, doesn't it? He can't play like he used to play. I guarantee you, like Izzo would say, just like you said, Ricky, hard-nosed, tough, blah, 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 blah. That's all great. But guess what? If you put an analytical uh, uh, grading on Draymond when he was at his peak, he was he would be rated high, high, high. Guess why? Because he plays defense, he gets steals, he gets rebounds, he passes assists, he doesn't turn the ball over, all those, and he doesn't take bad yeah. shots. Analytically, that is a good player, and he gets yeah. offensive rebounds. That's a good player. But now he can't do all that. Adam, I agree. He's frustrated. I'm telling you, I played pickup basketball till I was 50 years old. And I played pretty competitively till I was about 42. And then, then I played noon ball with guys that played in college and stuff. We had fun. But guess what? I couldn't do the things I used to be able to do. And I would get frustrated. And I couldn't stay in front of those younger guys. So, you know, maybe I stick my leg out and trick them one time or something <laughs> crazy. And then I feel like an idiot because, you know, that's not right. So... Yeah, he is getting frustrated, and you can see it 
because he can't do what he used to do. And guess what? The antics he does now is not effective anymore. It's a joke. And all the other players on the other teams think it's a joke and they take offense to it. And even his teammates, even though they won't say it, they think it's a joke now too. Yeah. Hey, hey Mo, when you would you go out and play, I mean, everybody, you just playing some pickup ball. Everybody knows you're an NBA player. What what do you do? Because you know, I know everybody's gonna try to come at you all hard. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, when you know, when I after I retired, I love the game of basketball. If I could still play now, I would. Uh, at, you know, at lunch or whatever. But you know, when I when I when I I didn't retire. I no one paid me anymore. Like at thirty six or seven, <laughs> I went over to France, and I, I was a player coach in the CBA. But even I played till I was about 42 uh, or 43. I would go back to Lawrence, Kansas and uh, speak at uh, the Kansas Jayhawk camp with Roy Williams, speak to the kids. And every summer, uh, you know, for that week or two, guys would come back. Paul Pierce, Scott Pollard, Ray LaFrance, uh, Danny May. All these guys would come back and we'd play at night. And I could, I could still hold my own for about an hour, hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes. And then, you know, that's it. I got, I could still run with them. I could still shoot. I could still rebound. Okay. Uh, but then at 43 or four, I was doing the same thing. And uh, after one of the, the workouts, my sons were at that camp. They were just young kids. And they looked at me and said, dad, you might not want to play in these games anymore because <laughs> I couldn't hold my own anymore. But then I would, I would play noon ball. I would play against, you know, with guys that love the game, pass the ball, yeah. shoot, have fun, you know, play some half-ass defense. And I love doing that. Uh, you know, and you know, some guys were dicks and try to prove that they could score on an NBA player. I look at them. I'm like, you know, I'm 48 years old. I'm not an NBA player anymore. <laughs> so yeah, you can score. You can score. You're 30. You can score on a 48 year old man. But come on. <laughs> no, I would love to have played some noon ball with you, man. I'd have been throwing it to you inside every time. No, I never, never went inside anymore. No, no. I was a jump shooter. No, <laughs> no more post up for me. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick a roll with you. I'm going to run the trailer with you. You can pass it between your legs and I'll catch it and shoot a three. And, you know, I'm not posting up anymore. I never, you know, I never post up. When I was, when I shoot at the end of my career, I didn't post up anymore. I'm not up. I, I was, I was Brooke Lopez. I turned in, not the old Brooke Lopez, but the new Brooke Lopez shooting three. Right, right. Well, this I was getting away from this man. And thanks to everybody for all these great questions tonight. Hey, I, Paul, I keep, Every time I look at these Western Conference standings, they look so backwards, man. Golden State in the 11th spot, Lakers in the 10th spot, Minnesota and your buddy Chris Finch uh, at the top spot, 25 and 10. Uh, Oklahoma City and Denver are practically tied uh, for the second spot. And I've been asking you about Minnesota. No, I think they. I think they're there to stay. I don't know if they're finished number one, but they're going to finish in the top four. Yeah, I talked about like, uh, like uh, Lakers. Let's talk Lakers and Warriors are like what are they ten and eleven or something? Ten and like eleven, that, trying for the play-in. Uh, here, you know who's else? Phoenix Suns are ninth. The Phoenix Suns, but that's because uh, 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 Beal Beal has hasn't been healthy and hasn't played, but. You know, and guess what? Remember about a month ago, the Indiana Pacers are now the Denver Nuggets, the team to beat. Ah, wrong. Yeah. What are they? They're in eighth spot now, right? Yeah. So, you know, but, uh, you know, it's the wild, wild west like it was last year. In the east, you have Boston, Milwaukee, Sixers probably, right? Uh, in the west, Minnesota, they're a well, they, they, they got a way to play Gobert and Anthony Towns at the same time. Two seven-footers can now stay on the floor. And Anthony Edwards, after the World Games, has become their star. He's an athletic wing that can really go. And then they have uh, uh, Conley, who's a veteran point guard who's running the show for them. 
So they're a legitimate uh, contender. Denver's there. OKC has a lot of talent. Holgram's coming on. They're really young. I, I like their talent, but I don't think it's their time anymore. I don't think they can beat some good teams in a seven-game series yet. They're not ready. The team that's going to move up, I think, are the Clippers. If Kawhi and George Harden's figuring out how to play with Westbrook, they're a team that has the talent to move up and contest with Denver and, and Minnesota. Dallas, I'm not buying Kyrie and Luka. Just don't think it works. Uh, Orlando's interesting, not really Houston, but, you know, uh, Sacramento's still around there. Uh, but, I mean, Minnesota, Denver are being the, you know, the cream of the crop right now. And, you know, I don't see them dropping off drastically like the Indiana Pacers have over the last month. Hey, hey I got I got two final questions, but I, I want to kind of touch on the Pacers because early in the year they were just – just scoring like crazy. Is that is that a product of teams? Okay, we're scouting these guys now. We 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 got a better idea of what they're trying to do. Who are you talking about? Uh, the Pacers. Teams have saw what they're trying to do. Yeah, okay. I mean, you got a bigger picture of them. Is that where that scouting comes in to kind of impact? Okay, so this is how we got to play these guys. Yeah, and you know you. You know, so now you know Halliburton's a legitimate star in the league, so you got to really handle him. Uh, you got to get through their starters. I saw them play here in Las Vegas. Their starting five is really good. Their backups aren't so strong. So now you're going to try and get them into foul trouble, get into their backup rotations. Uh, you know, so, you know, when teams catch up, it's like um, a major league pitcher, right? Yeah. Uh, eventually, hitters are going to catch up to you. They're going to they're going to catch up to your fastball. Yeah. They're going to figure out when you're throwing your curve or your slider, and they're going to catch up to you. Defense, offense usually at the beginning of the year overflows and overrides defense, and eventually defense starts to catch up as the season goes on. Yeah. Hey, I I, I got a, your old team. We can't get out of here without talking about your beloved Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, <laughs> They, they just struggled another day, and Giannis says, we've got to get better. This is Giannis. We have to be better. We have to play better. We have to defend better. We have to trust one another better. We have to be coached better. Every single thing. Everybody has to be better. Everybody. It starts from the equipment manager. He has to wash our clothes better. The bench has to be better. The leaders of the team have to be more vocal. We have to make more shots. We have to defend better. We have to be better. So I think the equipment man went, went out and got some oxyclean to go with his uh, tie. But <laughs> you see a comment like that. What, what, well, what? I, first of all, you kind of chuckle, right? He's, he's not wrong uh, because um, – and when I first got with the Dallas Mavericks and got to know Mark Cuban a little bit, Mark Cuban came from a business background. It came from companies that build around building computers and programming and, and uh, all that stuff. And uh, he thought that, you know, besides the players uh, and the head coach, all the other pieces to the team were interchangeable. So as an example, if Paul Mokeski, um, as a, as a scout and coach, um, if he doesn't want to stay here for, you know, X amount of dollars, he can leave. We'll find someone else to plug him right, plug right in, and there won't be no change. However, in sports, basketball and all sports, everything is connected. And I think he learned that, uh, that, you know, players are important, coaches, assistant coaches, video guys, equipment guys, trainers, ball boys, and girls, they all relate to what's going to happen during the game. So, it, and so it's, a, you know, you can't do laundry better. You know, you can fold it differently, I guess. But <laughs> at the same time, he does realize that, like when I was in Dallas, Dirk Nowitzki changed his jersey at halftime because he really sweat. So he'd get a new jersey on. All the guys would have at halftime or before the game, they would have one – one red Gatorade, one blue Gatorade, one this, one that. They had all their little intricacies of what they, you know, uh, uh, put the put put their socks on the shoe, 
put their socks in a bowl and they're they're all little things that add up so like if 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 dirt came in at halftime when we're playing in a playoff game against miami heat and there's no jersey hanging in his locker that he can change into he's gonna have a problem and so is the team and he's not gonna probably play up to his potential so i can see where he was coming from he went overboard on that like uh but there is some truth to that and because everybody's related me as a coach and scout, I I had a relationship with all the players different. Like I would go watch video with them of players here, you're gonna guard this guy, that guy, they do this, that. You know, so we, you know, they gotta respect me. I gotta treat them the right way. All the coaches, all the scouts, all the video guys, all the equipment guys have to do that to be a successful team. I mean, but at some point, it's on the players, right? Players gotta play and win. And they're still in second place, but uh there's this i was helping a team a minor league tier, team here in vegas years ago helping with some you know schemes and stuff and i was sitting on the bench during uh you know at the game and give the head coach some ideas and i love being part of it and practice i love and i remember after one game uh we had lost and i don't know what and uh, sitting there and listening and, and the coach was kind of he was mad and he was getting on some players and one of the players uh, stood up uh, and, and said, I, I know we got to play better, better, but you guys got to coach harder. You have to coach harder. I'm like, I don't, I know how to coach, but I don't know how to coach harder. I, still, <laughs> I, I coach to the best of my abilities all the time, but coach harder. So do the laundry better. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what they got to do, Mo, is play defense better. Yes. And, and that's the problem because Dame Litter is not a good defender. He's a bad and the, defender. Your and best Holiday defender's was, in Boston. Holiday was a great defender. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's like, and, and you you kind of warned about that when that trade went down. Sure. I mean, you're gonna make a decision. And you know what? Giannis kind of forced that decision. Because remember last summer, he was saying things need to change here. He was thinking he was saying that, you know, unless the team does what they should do. I might move on. Remember that? So they kind of forced their hand to, well, we can't stay the same. And we don't want to trade someone and get some average dude, right? Makes no sense. So they went all out. They traded the beloved point guard that won them a championship, that won an Olympic gold, that all the players love, that passes, scores, defends, does everything. Great guy off the court, great guy in the locker room. They traded him for one of the best scorers in the league and Damian Lillard with the thought of, well, we're going to get a 30 point a guy and we'll make up for that lack of defense. Well, hasn't worked out that way so far. Now, season's early. We're only one third of the way through. And, uh, you know, I think I saw them in person here uh, and I was mesmerized how when the game's on, it's like Giannis takes his turn, then Lillard takes his turn. You got to take your turns together, just like Denver does with Joker and Murray. And they, you got to run the pick and roll with the two most dangerous guys and let them play. You can't just yeah. put Lillard in the corner and say, okay, Giannis, go at it. You know, you got to use them at the same time. And I, I hope they'll figure that out. But well, you know. well, can they find defensive help at, at the trade deadline? Yes. But, okay. Yeah. I mean, Remember, and he's not playing hardly at all. Remember when the Lakers picked up Vanderbilt last year, a yeah. defensive wing, yeah. you know, that, and, and they made a run at, at the playoffs, right? Yeah. And he's not playing much in, in, with the Lakers. There's guys like that out there. Those guys are easier to find than Lillard's and um, uh, uh, Giannis's. And, you know, I don't, I'm not in that locker room. If I was an owner, or general manager, I'm going to have to reevaluate how I'm thinking uh, about Middleton. I mean, is he, he's been injured. Can he be the Middleton we need him to be as our third guy? I mean, he shows it yeah. at points where he'll score 10 buckets in a row, but then he disappears. And, you know, is it time to move him for somebody equal or better? I don't know. He hadn't been that guy on a consistent basis in a while, Mo. He's like, He's like Clay with the Warriors, right? Yeah. Clay has been yeah. up and down too. So yeah. are you going to be loyal? I mean, Middleton won a championship for you. Big part of it. You don't win the championship without him. And, you know, uh, 
you know, so you have loyalty, just like the Warriors have with Clay, or is it time to get what you can for him and try to make it a move? So that's, you know, that's on, uh, you know, the front office and the ownership. Are we willing to pull that trigger, which is a big trigger to pull because, you know, it could really do you well, or it could backfire on you and just blow up everything. Yeah. Well, man, we're going to get out here. What a great show to start the year off, you know. Uh, yeah. tremendous conversation. Great comments from our viewers out there. We appreciate yeah. every one of you. And uh, we'll be back at our uh, regular time next week. But, uh, oh, no. Who you got tonight? Michigan and the under. I think um, I think this is uh, Harbaugh's last game. I yeah. think he go, if Michigan is going to play for him and he wins that game and he goes off in the sunset, either here in Las Vegas or in LA with the Chargers or somewhere else. And, you know, I think you're I absolutely right. I don't blame him. You know? I, I think you're absolutely right. And he'll be, he'll have a boatload of money in tow as he's leaving Ann Arbor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, he'll say, hey, hey, send me my championship ring. I'm going to be in California. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everybody. See you next week. Bye-bye. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.